Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, The Mutterings of Men. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 2, verse 6. Now here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, help us to be your people, your disciples, to be a people who will devote themselves to the learning of your will revealed in your word. Make us the people of your testimony, of your law, of your holy word. Sanctify us by Thy truth, thy word is truth. Deliver us, O Lord, from temptations, temptations by the mutterings of men. The truth is they have no light of dawn in them. So, God, help us to say it is written to the law and to the testament. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently I heard a very, very prominent politician who calls himself a Christian in essence saying that all peoples of the world are worshipping the same God Almighty. Of course in different ways. That was mutterings of man. That was a lie. Being a politician, he had to say that. Imagine he said only Christianity that is based on the scripture is true religion. They are the only ones who worship the true and living God. Imagine that. He had said that. He will not, he would not have influenced people. and That means he wouldn't get votes sufficient to re-elect him. The philosophy of mutterings. Every opinion of man that is not in agreement with the word of God. I call it the philosophy of muttering. It is true of all religions, philosophies, science, psychologies, ethics, liberal Christianity, politics, and so on. It is sheer humanism. It is human attempt to self-salvation. Salvation by works. Such human interpretations is based based not on wisdom from above, but wisdom from below. More than that, human opinions not based on divine revelation of the word of God, have their source in the evil spirit. Genesis 3 will tell you that. Genesis 3 speaks about what God said, and what Satan said. 
you shall not die. That's the mutterings of man. When man rejects God's word, he turns to mediums and spiritists to guide him. Turn to Isaiah chapter 2 and look at verse 6. Speaking about God's people, they are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines. Why do they do this? Because they reject revelation from God. These mutterings of man guide man to despair, to gloom, to darkness, to hell itself. This is the story of King Saul in Israel's history. He rejected the word of God. Therefore God rejected him. He refused to speak to him, guide him in any way. And Saul came under an evil spirit who tormented him. And when crisis came in his life, he sought the mutterings of a witch who lived in Endor. He resorted to consulting the dead. And we are told he perished on the mountains of Gilboa, he and his children. This will be the story of every man who rejects the infallible and absolute word of God, that God in his grace given to man, that he may live by it. King Ahaz in 734 BC was in deep trouble. Isaiah was sent to minister to him. He rejected God's word of salvation. And the prominent people of Jerusalem joined with him in rejecting the gospel. They do not want the gospel. They don't want God. They know how to solve their problem. They are astute political people, great tacticians and foreign policy makers. So they would seek alliance with Assyria, the great power of that time. But Isaiah opposed it and said, don't do it. Our God will defend us. Trust in him. He sent me to speak to you. He demanded God's people trust in the sovereign Lord to deliver them. But they had no use for God's word or salvation. Isn't that true of some of us? When the word of God comes, it has no place in our hearts. Whether it comes from mother or father or minister or elder doesn't make any difference. I have made up my mind. I know what to do. The mutterings of man. The philosophies of man. They rejected the gently flowing waters of Siloa. Chapter 8, verse 6. Because this people has rejected the gently flowing waters of Siloa. That was the water 
to which Jesus Christ sent a blind man and said, you go there and wash your eyes and you'll be healed. In other words, the gently flowing waters of Jerusalem stand for the gospel. Stand for salvation. Stand for revelation. Stand for God's truth. He leadeth me beside the still waters, the quiet waters. But they rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh in Jerusalem in favor of the mighty waters of Assyria, Euphrates. Therefore, turn with me to verse 7 of chapter 8. Therefore, the Lord is about to bring against them the mighty flood waters of the river, meaning Euphrates. The king of Assyria will, with all his pomp, it will overflow all its channels, run over all its banks, and sweep on into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it, and reaching up to the neck of everyone who rejects the gently flowing waters of the gospel of God. Therefore they shall experience not salvation of Jerusalem, but the destruction by the flood of Euphrates. God who is in control of all history. God who declares the end from the beginning. God to whom all the nations of the earth are less than nothing. God who is high and lifted up. God who is the king seated on his throne. God whose glory fills the earth will surely punish the rejectors of God's gospel. God pronounces a doom for them. Write it down, Isaiah, on a scroll, legibly, seal it, witness it. Maher shalal hash bas, meaning swift judgment to the rejectors of your word. That is true here too. Anyone who rejects the true philosophy coming to us by revelation, the true gospel, there is a word written down. Maher shalal hash pass. Sweet destruction coming prophesied by the eternal God. Who sees all things in one view. The doom will soon come within three years. And you read chapter 8. The wife of Isaiah soon became pregnant. She brought forth a son. And the prophecy is before the boy knows how to say daddy or mommy. Devastation would come to Damascus. And to Samaria from the king of Assyria, Tiklat Pilis of the third. More than that, devastation also would come to Judah from Assyria, whom Ahaz and his people chose to trust. And it's an amazing thing. It is the very word of God. It came to pass. In 732, the king of Damascus was 
destroyed and the kingdom came under the sovereignty of Assyria. Pekah, the king of Samaria, was killed too. And the wealth of these two kingdoms was taken away by the great king of Assyria. But Syria also devastated Judah in due course according to the prophecy of chapter 8 and verse 7 and following. I want us to know outside of the God of Israel there is no Savior. All those who trust in their own wisdom and walk in the light of their own candle and worship their own human saviors, in due course will meet with sure destruction. When the vast majority of people reject God's word and look elsewhere for salvation, the question is, what would the minority of true Israel symbolized in this chapter by Isaiah and his disciples? What would they do? The true people are a minority. They are hated by the unbelieving world and the unbelieving church. They are a very small minority. They are very unpopular. Remember the words of Jesus in Luke 16 and verse 15. When you are tempted by the mutterings, popular philosophies of the world, remember this, what Jesus said, what is highly valued among men, that is, unbelievers, what is highly popular among men is detestable in God's sight. So what should the minority, the small minority of people who still love the word of God, look to the word of God and to the God of the word of God, what should they do when they are reviled and hated and despised and spoken against? Well, that is what we find. The counsel is found in verse 11 through 22 of chapter 8. First of all, look at verse 11. The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me. In other words, God controlled him by his spirit so mightily that he knew he was under God's complete control. And then gave him a warning. Isaiah, a warning to you. And to the few disciples with you, I give you a warning. What is it? Take a look at people of God. It says, do not follow the way of these people. In other words, you are tempted to follow the way of the majority. You are tempted. You are pulled this way and pulled that way and you are afraid and you are ashamed. Don't you ever do that. You are my people. Live a separated life, a holy life, 
You do what I tell you to do and you will not do what the popular people tell you to do. And I hope you will pay attention to this warning. True Christian is the light of the world, the salt of the earth. He is different. He is characterized by holiness. Be ye holy because I am holy. Anyone can conform to the world. But what is impossible is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That we can only through God who is able to change us and transform us and cause His Spirit come into your life and make you able to live a life that is separate. That is different. You speak a different language. Not Ashdod. Not Philistine language. You speak God's language. You dress differently. You speak differently. You act differently. You think differently. You decide differently. You feel differently. Because you are God's people. So take a look. It says, warning me. Even Isaiah needed to be warned. We are all human beings. We can be pulled this way and that way. If Isaiah is warned, we should be warned too. Stay away from the way of the world. The philosophies of the world. The mutterings of the world. Live the life that God has called you to live. Function as light. Function as salt. Be people of truth. Secondly, it says, verse 12, do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Well, the translation, do not believe everything. Do not believe everything. They are saying concerning you that you are a rebel. You are a conspirator. You are a traitor because you are not agreeing with the political wisdom of the time to trust in the king of Assyria for salvation. Therefore, they are saying, you are a traitor. But God comes and puts his hand upon him and says, don't, don't believe that. Don't believe what they believe. Don't believe what they say. The truth is, you are not a traitor. You are a faithful preacher of the gospel. You see, we could understand. Isaiah was also being afraid because his enemy is Ahaz and the prominent people of Jerusalem. He's, uh, who is Isaiah? And so he was having a little problem and God came and said, Don't believe what they say. Believe what I say. You are my prophet. You declare and proclaim the gospel. And I say that to you this morning, I will declare and proclaim the gospel, whether you like it or not. And I know some of you don't like it. It's too bad. But I will declare it and proclaim it because the hand of God is upon me. Next, it says, do not fear what they fear. There is a difference. They fear all kinds of things. But don't you fear what they fear? Oh, well, that's a wonderful word, isn't it? You read, 
Matthew chapter 6, 25, 28 and 34 it says, Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Hallelujah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Do not fear, do not worry. Do you hear that? God speaking to you in your situation of pain and agony and suffering and trouble. He is speaking to you. Do not fear like other people and what they fear. It is grace that taught my heart to fear. That is fear God. And grace my fears in its totality relieve. We are different people. We are God's people. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 51. And beginning with verse 12. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mortal men? The sons of men who are but grass. That you forget the Lord your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. That you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? The covering prisoners will soon be set free. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. For I am the Lord your God who churns up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. Next. What you should do when sufferings and pains and troubles and problems and storms and wind rise in your horizon. What should you do? Verse 13. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. Which is St. Peter in First Peter chapter 3, 14 and 15. He quotes this. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. What is it? See, we are told not to do something, fear not. And we are told to do something. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. Which means, don't be terrified by the storms, and the wind, and the rain, and the threatenings of the oppressors. Fix your eyes on the Lord Almighty whose vision Isaiah received in chapter 6. High and lifted up, seated on the throne, sovereign, apart from man, controller of human destiny, Lord of history, the one who makes all things happen. Almighty God, Focus your attention on him and revere him, honor him and worship him when everything on earth is going berserk. You trust in him, hope in him, look to him, look to the word, pray to him, worship him, fellowship with the people of God who will speak to you about the great God who is for us. And if God is for us, who is against us? That's the idea. 
particularly do it when times of sufferings come upon you. Trust him and obey him. He is Lord, he is sovereign, he is in control. He is almighty, he is for us. Next, he is your sanctuary. Notice verse 14, and he will be a sanctuary. A sanctuary is a place where God dwells. Turn to Psalm 27 and verse 5. Take a look at it. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. He is your sanctuary. He is the place to which you can run and be saved. Remember Joab, he ran and uh, took hold of the horns of the altar. It didn't work. They cut him down. But when you and I who trust in God go to the sanctuary, you are protected. Hallelujah. You are saved. It is like there is flood all over, but you went into the ark and there you are safe. Or you ran into the city of refuge and you are safe. Our God is our sanctuary. He will save us. He will protect us. He will keep us. Hallelujah. And the next it says, here it is, this God Almighty, Verse 13, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard. But this Lord Almighty, verse 14, is stone. The same Lord Almighty will be a stone, a boulder in the middle of the road. And you don't respect that boulder. You stumble over and you fall. And you will be powderized. Jesus Christ spoke about this. Let's turn to Matthew 21. You see the Lord Almighty. is the Savior. And also he is the judge. He will teach every arrogant person a lesson. Look at Matthew 21 and verse 44. Let me read from verse 43. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. In other words, trust God, fear God, obey God. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. Both will happen. You will stumble and fall, and not only that, in due course it will fall on you and be destroyed. Jesus Christ demands respect, reverence, submission, total and total obedience. He is not interested in your pity or in my pity. He is Lord of all. He is pictured here as the Lord Almighty, whom Isaiah saw seated. I am lifted up the King, the creator of the ends of the earth. Lord of history. He doesn't need our pity. He needs our submission. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry. Yeah. And turn to First Peter. Peter also quoted this. 
First Peter chapter 2 and verse 8. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. The next thing we are told, the, the minority, the true disciples, what should we do? Well, here it is, Chap- chapter 8. Verse 16 and 17, bind up the testimony and seal up the law among my disciples. The law, the word of God will be with the disciples. It will be in the disciples. It will be written upon the hearts of the disciples. It will be upheld. It will be honored throughout the history of the universe. There will always be some people who love the word of God. And obey the word of God. And believe the word of God. And proclaim the word of God. And be regulated by the word of God. But the truth is. Because of disobedience. The vast majority. Of God's people disobey. As well as the pagans. God hides his face. It's a serious business. Notice it. Bind up the testimony, seal up the law among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. It's a symbol of the church. God is angry at the unbelieving church. He hides himself. The opposite of that is, may God lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That God may make his face shine upon you. The opposite of that is hiding. Judicial blindness and judgment. Trouble is going to come to Judah and to Samaria. It's going to come in God's plan and order because they rejected the God of Jacob. And so what is going to happen? There's going to be storm and trouble and rain. Euphrates is going to blow. Destruction is going to come. What are we going to do? Look at it. We, I will wait for the Lord. We wait for the Lord with great patience. We will have to suffer too in the midst of such troubles. But we wait for the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Chapter 40, verse 31. They shall mount up with wings as of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see that God will sustain you in the present when troubles are going to come. God withdrawing his face means trouble. God shines his face means blessing. But don't worry. We read in Psalm 1, he'll be like a tree planted by the streams of water, yes. yielding fruits in his season, leaves shall not wither, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God will sustain you because you are trusting in him, waiting for him, hoping in him, so he will sustain you. I am the vine, you are the branches out of his Fullness, we have received grace upon grace. He will sustain you in the time of trouble and misery that is coming upon the world. (laughs) And we have more trouble coming. 
isn't it? Life is not the same since 9-11 or 1. Life is not the same. Billions and billions of dollars is gone. People cannot find a job. Anxiety everywhere. What shall we do? Those who love God and believe in God's word, wait for him, trust in him, sanctify him in your heart. (laughs) Everything will be all right. You will flourish and you will thrive in the midst of problems. Remember Apostle Paul and Silas who was beaten up and thrust into the prison in Philippi. But in the middle of the night they rose up to sing and to pray. That's thriving. That's flourishing. That bringing for, just bringing forth fruit in its season. That means leaves shall not wither. We are rooted and founded in God. And this God is for us. And the next thing, let's turn to the scripture, verse 19, Isaiah 8, verse 19. You see, the unbelieving Christians are going to come to you who believe in the Bible. They are going to come to you. They are going to torment you. They are going to come and tell you. (laughs) What is it? When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter. You see, the church hates the Bible, hates Jesus Christ. And they are going to come to you, a minority, a small minority in the city of Davis, a small minority of people. They will come to you and they tell you, forget about this old-fashioned stupid things. Be a modernist, be an intelligent person, be a brilliant person. Listen to mutterings of man. And you see that in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19, the Gnostic teachers doing it. You read that in the book of Revelation chapter 2, people came and said they were apostles. And the Ephesians church tested them and said, you are not apostles. In other words, people are going to come to sell their wares in the church. And you see them on television and radio, you listen to them, you buy their books. Oh, you love it. Because it is the mutterings of man. It is amazing how people are excited when you read the mutterings of man. And maybe people are here who love the mutterings of man. And then they come and stand here and we preach the exegetical, uh, real thing, the word of God. Oh, it's not exciting. I like the mutterings of man. I heard on the radio a person. I saw on television a person. And he said, let's all go to mediums and spiritists. Let's uh, do necromancy. They want to enslave you. And in First John, we are told they are antichrists. They are antichrists. They ask the question, you still believe in the Bible? It is irrelevant. It is an old book. We have come of age. We are scientific people. We are modernists. We have found a natural way of salvation. We are liberal Christians. We are the new Gnostics. Join us and be popular and powerful. 
the God of the Bible is not going to help you. Where is the promise of his coming? He did not create. He is not sovereign. He controls nothing. We control. We must take matters into our own hands. We believe not in the one true God who is infinite. We believe in mediums, in spiritists, astrology, fortune tellers, Benny Hinn, magic. We do not consult God. We are modernists. We consult demons. We practice necromancy. We can manipulate the future by consulting the dead for the living. You see, Isaiah is extremely sarcastic. <laughs> I mean, how can you consult the dead for the living? I mean, you are stupid, in other words. And later on, he finds, how can you cut a tree down and you use half of it to cook and you made an idol of the other half and you bow down and worship? You're stupid. And, but modern man calls it modernity. Modern man calls it brilliance. Modern man calls it scientific. We do not consult the Bible or go to church. We go to Delphi. Remember, we were at Delphi recently. Where people in ancient times, kings and princes, great people will come to get some mutterings. <laughs> and they get their mutterings and go home. Oh yes, we go to Delphi to hear the modern mutterings of man. We go to universities. We listen to commentators. We listen to actors and actresses. We listen to Nobel laureates. We listen to Maya Angelou. We listen to psychologists. And we listen to Wall Street. We listen to philosophers. We are brilliant people. We have no use for the ancient book called the Bible. We listen to President Clinton to learn about ethics. <laughs> we are not opposed to all religions. We are only opposed to Christianity. That is based on the Bible. We hate only the true God. We suppress his knowledge. But we welcome Satan and his demons to guide us through life. They allow us to be free and sin all day long. Isn't that why they like the mutterings of man? Yeah. Because they let you sin all day long and you don't know you are enslaved. We hate the Bible because it is for fools only, not for brilliant people. Let's turn to the book of Daniel and the second chapter. Remember the story? Nebuchadnezzar the king had a dream, a dream <laughs> that put a hole, a big hole, into his balloon of self-sufficiency and self-esteem and self-importance. And it troubled him. Of course, what did he do? No problem. He called for all the mutterings of man. All the mutterers and the philosophers, astrologers, magicians. Oh yes, he had a lot of them eating at his court, supported by him. Come on now! Let me read it to you. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed, the counterparts of the scientists and the philosophers and the actors and actresses 
and Maya Angelou and everybody else. When they came in and stood before the king, he is, these are frauds. These are absolute frauds. When they came and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream. It is not Martin Luther King's statement, I had a dream. <laughs> he says, I have had a dream <laughs> that uh, troubles me. I mean, here is a guy who is the emperor of the world. He is the superpower, head of the superpower, but no peace. In the middle of the night, God came and took away his peace. He is the sovereign ruler and controller. He is the great king. And I want to know what it means. No problem. No problem at all. He said, uh, then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. He's not a fool. <laughs> he knows these are frauds. So he said, no deal. <laughs> you are going to give me the dream as well as what? See, that way he can test and <laughs> see. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Look at verse 11. Here it is. They are all liars. They are all frauds. They are all incompetence. And they are more incompetence today too. They are all incompetence. They don't have any wisdom. They don't know what is right and what is wrong. They are all incompetence. Listen to this. What the king asks is what? Too difficult. <laughs> he had to tell the truth. Because they are going to cut his neck, man. <laughs> tell the truth. No one can reveal it to the king. That's a lie. Hmm? Except the gods. And they do not live among men. Oh, yeah. So, of course, he ordered them to be executed. Let's, but that's not the end of the story. Verse 25. Ariok took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Let me read from verse 27. Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries Let's look at verse 45. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. See, he's God of the future. God of the past. God who calls the end from the beginning. He's the sovereign Lord. Everybody else is fraud. Their philosophies are uh, mutterings of men. Fraud, lies, but it is published by Doubleday and every other day. Scribner's, Oxford Press, University California Press. And you begin to think it's great, wonderful things. It's all fraud. It's all mutterings and musings of fools. But people are very impressed. Look at... God has shown the king what will take place in the future. And verse 47. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. 
we are speaking about the word of God. God alone knows and he reveals it because he is gracious. He has given us a book which is revelation. Heavenly Father, help us to fear you, to sanctify you, to believe you, to trust in you, to wait for you, and help us to oppose the philosophies of this world. Help us, O oh God, not to live the way of the majority of Christians who reject your word. They manipulate the word for their own benefits. Have mercy upon us, O oh God. You alone are God who saves. Saves his people. Lord, save your people. Either you are a savior or you are a snare. Help us, O oh God, to humble ourselves before your truth. Help us to believe it. What must I do to be saved? The answer is simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And anyone who rejects him shall stumble over this boulder. And not only that, it will fall upon him. And he will be powderized. But, oh God, this morning we pray that you save some grand faith to believe in your Son, God Almighty, who became man for our salvation. We lift him high, the one who died on the cross. And he said, if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Draw those who are eternally chosen to thyself and save them. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew. 